truly at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 192 of Dogcast Radio. For more episodes, visit our website, dogcastradio.com, where you can also read our blog, see great dog photos and other resources. Later on, we'll be finding out how, if you're not quite ready to adopt a rescue dog, you can still help. We're always on the lookout for volunteers. We really struggle down in kennels as time as canine carers. We'd love to be spending as much time as we want with the dogs, but we've got all this cleaning, the feeding and the adopting and everything else to do. But before that, I spotted an article on the internet titled 10 Steps to Getting a Great Dog from the Shelter. Thought it was a great article and really wanted to interview the author, who turned out to be Jennifer Catett who trains assistance dogs, all of whom were rescue dogs when she first met them, and thus she knows her stuff. You'll hear that Jennifer was answering my questions from a busy office, surrounded by several dogs and other people, because she's a busy woman. My first question was, if someone's considering getting a dog and weighing up the options of buying or adopting, what are the advantages of adopting? Why should they adopt? I think there's a, a, a number of great reasons. Um, well, of course, if you're looking for a very specific type of dog and a purebred dog that has certain characteristics, it's probably not the place to go. But if you're looking for a great pet, uh, there's a number of reasons why shelter dogs can be the, the number one uh, choice. First of all, there's... All sorts of dogs at the shelter uh, from different breeds, different sexes, different age, and you you have a lot to choose from. So if you go to a breeder, for instance, most of the time you're going to get a puppy. And I love puppies. They're cute as heck. Mm -hmm. But the truth is they're a lot of work. So yes. if you get a dog that's already a year old, you skip all the baby steps of teething, you know, mouthing everything, potty training, you know, all of those good stuff that, <laughs> yes, they're, they're uh, you know, puppies are cute, but there's a reason for that. They can also, you know, they, they can also drive us crazy. Oh, yes. And, yeah. <laughs> and not everybody has the time for that. And then the other thing is when you get a puppy... Uh, it doesn't matter how good of a trainer you are, how good of a dog person you are. The temperament tests, tests only take you so far. You can only really weed out the extremes. So you can, you know, identify a really shy dog or a really bold dog, but it's very hard to predict what temperament that dog is going to have as it grows up. And I've seen, uh, as a service dog trainer, I've seen a lot of dogs that started out very confident, very social, and gradually as they developed, they started having uh, fears and reactivity that none of us could have predicted, even with the best socialization. Yeah. So when you yeah. take a dog that's a bit older, you pretty much get what you see. So you have a much better idea of what type of dog you're going to have. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's a great way of looking at it because, you know, we're told a lot how, how it's good for the dogs, um, obviously, to get out of the rescue and be adopted. But there's there's a huge upside to it for us, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is. And I think a lot of times people are afraid that the dog is not necessarily going to bond with them uh, because it's older. And so they're concerned that the dog is not going to be as loving as, as they want wanted the dog to be. And starting with the puppy is a better option. But the truth is exactly the opposite. Very often when the dogs have been through the stress of abandonment, they are craving that attention. They really want to, to, to be with a person. They need it so much. 
much. And yes. so they actually bond very strongly with their new owner. Yeah, yeah, indeed. They, I've, I've heard that before that um, rescue dogs can be really, really loving and you can, you can see why. Um, now we're always told when we look at breeders, you know, buying from a breeder, you have to be careful. You have to find the right breeder. That's true of rescues, isn't it? If you're going to a rescue, you need to go to a good, reputable, scrupulous one. So how do we know that we're going to a good rescue? What, you know, what are good indications? And what if we see things, you know, that raise alarm bells? What, what are we looking for that will make us think, oh, hang on, am I really in somewhere that I can trust? Yeah. Um, well, a, a, an ideal rescue, if there was uh, such a thing, would would have, uh, first of all, you'd see a certain level of cleansiness um, of the space. You know, dogs that are in kennels that haven't been cleaned for a very long time is, is a little bit disturbing. But there are, unfortunately, um, places like that, not necessarily because the people are, are um, bad at what they do, but sometimes they're just really overwhelmed. Yeah. So an understaffed kennel, means that the dogs are not well cared for, but also the staff may not know them very well. And when the staff doesn't know the dogs, you can get it's very hard to get information about them. So so kennels that are, you know, well staffed where they they take the time to temperament test the dog, to see how they do with other dogs, see how they interact with people, can be a great uh, a great place to find a dog because you have a lot of information and a lot of help. And if the staff is is um, uh, you know well prepared and knows knows what they do, and sometimes that's the hard part with with shelters uh, or rescues is they are run by very loving people, people who who are very well intended, but sometimes their ideas about dogs are not necessarily um, accurate. Yeah, and so how they care for the dogs is not always the best, or the the type of um, information they may give is not not necessarily accurate so you know looking at credentials experience are they trainers um you know how much do they actually know about dogs and how much do they temperament test them is is going to be really important yes yeah because again as you say that's that is a huge advantage to take on a dog and know you know what their character is like and and actually talk to people who've you know spent a lot of time with that dog is a huge advantage and again you know whoever you're getting your dog from you want someone who's going to ask you as many questions as you're going to ask them, aren't you? You want them to want to know about you and how you're going to look after the dog. Yes. I mean, if they are picky, that's great. Because yes. that means they really care for the dog and they know what the needs of the dogs are. And then if sometimes they have, you know, uh, foster parents. So the dogs are, are in foster care, which means that they live with somebody in, in a home environment. So you know if the dog has potty issues, uh, how it reacts to strangers coming in the house, if it chews on stuff, you know, can you trust it or not? Can you put it in a crate? You get a lot of information. And so that's really, really valuable. And, and that's not even counting all the, the savings that you get from all the health care that's been done. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we underestimate the value to, to us a lot, I think, sometimes. Um, so your, your article, I mean, when I read it, it was just, I, I thought, right, I have to talk to you. This is a brilliant article. Could you pick out maybe your top three or top five, whatever you're, you're comfortable with, but your top tips on how to assess the dog when you've gone to the shelter and you know you're looking for a rescue dog um how do you how do you make sure when you're actually there that you you sort of know what you're you're taking on here how, how, what are your what's your advice there 
So um, I look at how the dog, first of all, interacts in the kennel. So if I go up to the dog in the kennel, is the dog barking at me? Is the dog shying away and in the back of the kennel? Or does the dog come to me at the front of the kennel and is wagging, wants to interact, appears really friendly? Um, if people are walking by with other dogs, how does the dog react to that? Is Does it all of a sudden the dog starts barking and jumping all over the place? Or is the dog just you know, they're wagging, that gives you a lot of really good information. Um, and if the dog is seems to be really friendly and outgoing, then I'll go ahead and take the dog out. I'll also look at cleansiness of the of the kennel. If if all the other kennels are clean, meaning if the the staff has been keeping up the the uh, cleaning of the of the kennels but mm. this particular dog has a very dirty kennel and doesn't seem to be sick with diarrhea which in case of course would be a, a good excuse for not having a, yes, a clean yeah. kennel <laughs> then i might worry about uh whether or not the dog is potty trained you mm. know if the dog is has uh, soiled its bed i might wonder how how well this dog um can manage in a home environment yeah so that that would be uh, those would be some of the signs when just looking at a dog in the kennel. And then, you know, I always take the dog out and look at its reaction to the other dogs in kennels. Does it run to the to the other kennels? Does it start, you know, barking and, and uh, lunging at the other dogs? Or does it just kind of walk by um, just trying to get out of there? And then we go to, you know, an area where I can free the dog. And most of the time, what I try to do is just stand there. So I don't necessarily try to interact with the dog immediately. I look at what is the dog going to do? Is the dog going to sniff around? Um, generally, they need to potty. That's pretty normal. Mm. First thing they need to do is go go to the bathroom. Um, but then how long does it take them to want to interact with me? You know, some dogs will completely ignore me, and I have to work very hard to get their attention some dogs will potty sniff around, but very quickly, all they want to do is is jump on me, say hi, you know, snuggle up, get physical contact, yes. and that tells me a lot about how that dog is going to bond with me. Yeah, yeah. So again, I suppose there, you know, if you want a dog that is going to want you all the time, I mean, I have a Labrador, so he, you know, he does want company all the time, and he wants to be right with me as much as he can. Um, you know, that's great. But again, if if you were looking, if you know, say you'd been used to living with a more independent dog, and you were looking to, to repeat that, you know, that's going to tell you a lot of information. That's that's a really useful exercise, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. If you if you're going to be gone all day, or if you want your dog to to be independent, then you can see right there how independent is the dog going to be. And if the dog, you, so you have all the extremes from very independent to extremely needy, and then some that are somewhere in between, where maybe when you call them, they're very happy to come to you, but then they're also quite comfortable sniffing around and doing their own thing. So it gives you a lot of information as to what potential the dog has. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, one of the reasons I, I love the article is because for those of us that aren't sort of trainers and we don't have all that wealth of knowledge that you've got, it can be quite bewildering because you go in and you look and if, you know, if the dog's really friendly and up at the front or barking or and the heartbreaking ones that just lie there and look at you and that kind of thing. It is bewildering to look at all these different dogs and all these different characteristics and different behaviour and know what they're trying to communicate to you and what, you know, what could be a good fit with you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that's where where I love uh, the ability of discussing, you know, having a conversation with the with the staff, the people who yeah. know the dogs, who interact with them, who clean the kennels, feed them, and very often they'll temperament test them. So they check, you know, whether they uh, the dogs are tend to growl if you take the kennel the the kennel the the kibble the mm. food from them. Yeah. Um, you know, they know how rough they play with another dog. You know, there's a lot of information nowadays that you can get in kennels that maybe 10, 15 years ago, those things weren't happening. But today, you know, people are a lot more thorough when it comes to testing the dogs and they know them relatively well. Yeah. Now, that being said, my, my, my top um, preference is if you have the ability to take the dog home for a few weeks. Yeah. There are programs um, that here in the, in the U.S. are called Foster to Adopt. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you have the equivalent mm-hmm. um, where you can take a dog home and have the dog for a few weeks. And that's, that's really important because very often when dogs go through the trauma of being abandoned, and, and we have to say it, it is a, tra- it's mm-hmm. a traumatic experience for a dog, um, they, their behavior can be a little bit affected in the sense that either they can be um, inhibited, mm-hmm. so they appear calmer than what they really are, or they are quite the contrary. They are uh, full of adrenaline due to the stress of what they're experiencing, and they're a lot more um, active, bouncy, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. nervous than they would normally be. So when you can keep the dog three to four weeks, you start seeing the true colors of the dog come yes. <laughs> out after a few weeks. And if you if the dog doesn't work out for some reason, because maybe it was really nice and sweet, but all of a sudden you realize that the dog is, uh, you know, uh, lunging and barking at people, mm-hmm. then you have the option to take the dog back. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's um, that's a very useful way to get to know the dog because i mean just like people you don't maybe really know them until you've lived in the same house as them you know um, <laughs> yes. and that's you know i don't i don't like that too much pressure on people you know to, to you know they, they might feel they've failed you know in some way and keep the dog and they're not happy and the dog isn't happy but if there's that that arrangement that you know we're trying this out we're seeing if it works if it does great but if it doesn't you know if you're just not the right fit for each other then we'll we'll try again because the dog just as much as you need a different dog that dog needs a different person that's right that's mm. right it's, it's a relationship yes yeah you know we don't settle for the per- first person we go out on a date yeah and it, it should be the same with the dog really yeah absolutely absolutely now on that note say you know we, we need to sort of get it right and, and meet the right dog um I really like your advice that be prepared to leave empty-handed. That's a really important piece of advice, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, we 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 go in shelters all the time because, of course, we're looking for very specific type of dogs for for service dog work. Um, but if you go in with the idea that you have to, you know, you here you are, you're going to the shelter, you're going to come out with a dog, you're bound to make mistakes. Mm. You know, it's important to stay very open-minded, to be patient with the process, and to look for the right dog. This is a, you know, 10, 15-year commitment. Mm. And, you know, living with an animal is taking on a very 
big responsibility and I, I think it's always best to be willing to go out to to try dogs out to you know see different shelters and be prepared to leave with without a dog yeah yeah and also I mean to go to to go home and think you know and, and yes. different things occur to you over time don't they so sometimes you think oh do you know what I think that dog would be a good fit or ah maybe hang on because you know whatever yeah. it is yeah think about it yeah, maybe I loved all these things about the dog, but hmm, that was a bit of a red flag, you know, yes. and then you sleep on it. And the next day, maybe you feel a little bit, a little bit differently about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, if even if you think you've picked, you know, the perfect dog and this is absolutely the right dog for you and you think the behavior is right and, you know, all of this, you still should be prepared to train the dog, shouldn't you? That's, you know, it's so valuable and it's not sort of a, it shouldn't be seen as a chore, should it, training with your dog? Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yes, it should be part of what everybody does. I, yeah. I don't think anyone should consider having a dog without training. I mean, I'm a dog trainer and I, when, um, I had, I had a puppy many years ago because now uh, my dog's older, but I took the dog to puppy class. Yeah. You know, just also for the socialization. But having a dog isn't that easy. You know, we mm -hmm. assume that it is because there's so many around and, and we see them on movies and we expect that to be, you know, we feed them, we take them out, we, we cuddle with them. But it's, it's a lot more complex than that. And without, Proper training and um, some basic notions about dog behavior and how they learn, how they develop problematic behaviors, uh, we can get ourselves in a, in a lot of, uh, of difficulty. And then the relationship, instead of being rewarding and, and fantastic and positive, becomes, you know, difficult and yeah. stressful. And, and it's a shame because sometimes it doesn't take much to fix that. Mm. And if we, if we go to a professional right from the beginning and have a good start, we, we are much better off and we can have, you know, 10 years of a fantastic dog that otherwise would have would have just not happened yeah yeah and I think again training it's it's a it's a two-way street if you like because you know I get so much out of knowing I'm in a partnership with my dog we can do things together we're a team he understands me I'm telling him something I'm listening to him as well you know and we're working for the same end but also the dog gets so much out of it because as humans we sometimes think you know, we misunderstand dogs in many ways. And I think we, we think, oh, they'll enjoy just chilling out on the sofa. They don't want to do anything because that's maybe the human ideal for some of us, you know. <laughs> yes. But, you know, dogs aren't like that, are they? No, they're not. And you're so right. It's a it's a it's a partnership. It's a two way communication. And we're not as good as we think we are at understanding dogs, mm -hmm. you know, getting to identify when the dog is stressed and nervous about something and anxious and knowing what to do about it is so helpful to, to offset a situation that can go bad really quickly. And, you know, for the dog, very often, if they don't understand us, we, it gets, it's frustrating for us because we'd like for them to, to do certain things. And the dog is just looking at us like, huh, mm. <laughs> what do you want, human? Um, <laughs> but when we, when we train with them, we establish a way to communicate with them that is much more um, effective, where, where you, the dog learns to collaborate, the dog learns to understand um, our expectations, and we learn how to understand our dog and what the limitations of our dog is also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, as a, 
a service dog trainer, obviously you've got that down to a fine art. So tell me a little bit about medicalmutts.com. Um, so what we do is we specialize in training dogs for conditions like diabetes and seizures. So those are our top specialties. But we also train for um, autism um, and also psychiatric conditions um, and mobility. And all of our dogs come from shelters. So we don't work with breeders. Um, we take dogs that are between a year to two years old um, and, and from the shelters. And we, we train them for a, a good number of months and put about 30 behaviors on them and then place them with people, people who need them. We have a lot of different yeah, yeah. And I imagine that's, that's such a rewarding thing because not only then are you changing and enhancing, improving the dog's life, you're changing and enhancing and improving the human's life as well, aren't you? Yeah, so so that's kind of the goal. You know, I've been training dogs for over 30 years and my I started in this field because I it just is gut-wrenching to think about all the dogs that are abandoned, um, put down, or just in a bad situation with their human. Um, and, and all of this because really, if you think about it, it's because we love dogs that we create the situation. You mm-hmm. know, it, you can't, we can't argue with the fact that if you don't like, if you don't love dogs, you're not going to have a dog in, in the beginning. So you're not creating the problem. Yeah. So most dogs are in a bad situation because of the love we have for them, but also because of the misunderstanding and the lack of knowledge and, and experience that um, a lot of us have with dogs. So what I, what I tried to do with medical mutts is find a way to educate people about shelter dogs so that we can raise awareness and show that there are fantastic dogs in the rescues, that not all dogs are in there because of behavior issues. Some of them are there for really no fault of their own just because their person moved away or maybe somebody, you know, their owner died and the relatives couldn't take care of it. And we have dogs that are saving lives every day, you know, alerting to, to very difficult conditions and trained to to the highest of level even though they came in with very bad habits so they were pulling on leash you know on the leash they were jumping all over the place they had also sorts of mostly lack of education yes Um, yeah and all they needed was a little bit of training or a lot of training (laughs) but um, eventually they they turned out to be outstanding service dogs and we trained them to the the same standards as uh, dogs that that uh, come from readers. Yeah. And, yeah. and for me, being a service dog is the best that a dog could be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to do that. They'll never be abandoned. Yes. They'll be with a person who really knows dogs, who, it, you know, it's a, a relationship that is based on mutual needs. The person needs that dog mm-hmm. and the dog needs that person. And it just, it just uh, works very well for both, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think again there, there there is a common misconception, you know, that oh these poor assistance dogs they have to work so hard all the time. And you no no no, they have a wonderful life. They have the dog. They they have the life a dog would probably choose because they have company all the time. You know, they have a job to do. They have a purpose. These are happy dogs with wagging tails. They they have great lives, don't they? Oh my gosh, yes. And, and, you know, all of our training is with positive reinforcement. So these guys are not coerced into anything. They get treats all day long and they (laughs) look for the opportunity to to do something to get a treat. Yeah, yeah. So they are not miserable. Quite the contrary. You know, when we go to work and we leave our dog behind for eight hours, that Mm -hmm. dog is miserable. 
Yeah. But if yeah. you're if you have a service dog that you can take with you to work, you go to the movie with them, you go to, you know to restaurants and all sorts of places, the dog is so much happier. They have mental stimulation. They see things. You know, they have uh, a bond with with their owner like nobody else. I mean, yeah. it's just it's a very good quality life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you saying about sort of having rescue dogs. Um, one of the dogs I, I've, met, I've met quite a few, you know, um, not as many as you, obviously, but quite a few assistance dogs. And it's amazing how many of them are were rescue dogs. One, I know the um, the um, it was medical detection dogs took him in because the owners were saying, if you don't take this dog off, we're going to have this dog put down mm-hmm. because we just can't cope with him. And yet. Give that dog a job. You know, some training, yes, obviously, but a job to do. And he's a perfect dog, you know, and you just think, wow, it's, 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 you know, I, I, I don't always like the, you know, it's all our fault, but in so many cases, we just want our dogs to have an off switch and say, you know, do nothing now. And that's not what dogs yes. want. Yes, you're right. I mean, they, they enjoy doing things. And then what's, what's very sad is, you know these these animals are are built. If you look at at how they, um, you know how their body is is built, they have teeth to tear up and chew things. They have uh, muscles to run long distances and and you know a certain level of endurance and energy, and all of that was meant to get you know to be pretty busy during the day just hunting yeah, yeah. and finding stuff and sniffing around and we've reduced all of that activity to you know a little food bowl twice once or twice a day that takes 30 seconds and then expect them to not do anything and be active you know not be active with all that energy for the rest of the day yeah. and it just doesn't work they need things to do yeah yeah absolutely yeah and we wonder why we have why they have problems um is there anything that you, you know, we haven't covered so far that, that you'd, you'd really like to say? Um, well, I would definitely want to encourage people to go check out shelters and, and rescues, whether you're looking for a mixed breed. By the way, mixed breeds are fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're original. They're unique. You know, your dog is just looks like no, none of none other. And everybody's trying to guess what type of dog it is. <laughs> so you can even make up a breed if you want. Um, but they're also, you know, purebred dogs. We find purebred labs. We had, um, you know, we even had a couple of doodles from rescues. Mm. So there's a lot of choices. And, you know, I'm not opposed to breeding. I think there is uh, something to say about responsible breeding as well. Mm-hmm. But shelters and rescues are definitely a place to go to get a good quality dog also and and it's not you know we, we shouldn't consider rescue dogs as somebody's reject but mostly just a dog that's, that has gone through a rough patch um, but has just as much quality as as any other dog yeah yeah that's a great way to put it i like that you know thank you so much for sharing your advice with us and and, and telling us about you know service dogs um where can people find out more about you online um our website is medicalmutts.com for mm-hmm. what i do in terms of service dogs um the blog that you found was uh smart animal training.com and I wrote about, you know, over a hundred blogs on different aspects of dog behavior, uh, from, you know, reactivity to potty training. So there's a, there's a little box where you can just put in a keyword and, and you'll have advice on all sorts of, um, of things regarding dogs. 
Excellent. Excellent. Thank you ever so much for that, Jennifer. And um, the best of luck with all, you know, all the dogs you take on in the future. Well, thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure. We have a link on the Dogcast Radio site to the Smart Animal Training site, where you can read Jennifer's article, 10 Steps to Getting a Great Dog from the Shelter, and many other resources, as well as a link to medicalmutts.com. If you met the four-legged love of your life at a shelter, we'd love to hear your story. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options, and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an ebook you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. Dogs see much better than humans at night because they have a special light-reflecting membrane called the tapetum lucidum which allows them to see in the dark. How cold is it where you are? Well, is it down to minus 15 degrees C? That's 5 degrees Fahrenheit? because that's what daytime temperatures had sunk to in Vladivostok, Russia, and the extreme cold caught one poor canine out, with a dog getting its tongue stuck to a manhole cover. The metal had become so cold that when the dog's tongue came into contact with it, it stuck fast. Luckily, a passerby noticed the pooch's predicament and came into its aid, pouring water over the stuck tongue, warming it up and freeing it. The video posted online of the kind action shows the passerby then fussing the dog, who thankfully suffered no lasting effects from the incident. I'm glad it doesn't get that cold in the UK. And our next story takes us to sunny Florida, USA, but still features a dog in severe trouble. A Maltese Terrier crossbreed was taken into a Pinellas County Animal Service Veterinary Surgery. The poor dog's skin was burned, her eyes were swollen shut, and she wasn't moving or showing much sign of life. What could have caused such suffering? Well, the unlucky dog's beautiful, naturally white fur had been dyed purple. Vets christened the dog Violet, but feared she would not live long. Surprisingly, though, after treatment and spending the night at a veterinarian's house, Violet was hanging on in there. Nurses shaved off the little dog's fur and were horrified when vast amounts of her skin came off too. Gradually, Violet improved, eventually making a full recovery and proving to have a delightful, friendly disposition. With her original owner unknown, as she was brought to the surgery by a good Samaritan, She is now in a new home where her fur will never be dyed again. It just shows how potentially dangerous it is to dye your dog. Leave them their natural colour, I say. Whatever their fur colour, if your dog becomes ill, it's a worrying time. It's extra worrying if they need expensive treatment. Dexter, the black Labrador who lives in Scotland, was diagnosed with a heart condition just before his first birthday. Labs are often referred to as big-hearted, but poor Dexter's heart was swollen, causing him various problems and vets told his owners that he wouldn't live another year without pioneering open-heart surgery. Although Dexter was insured, the insurance didn't cover the operation. The future looked bleak and short, 
until an online appeal fixed Dexter's broken heart, prompted over 300 dog lovers to donate the necessary £10,000. Dexter was treated at the Royal Veterinary College, making history by becoming the first dog in Scotland to have open-heart surgery, and he should now go on to have a normal, happy life. That's great. I do love a happy ending. And there's a story now where a family had to wait a long time for a happy ending. Flashback to 2008, when one-year-old Labrador crossbreed, Abby, who belonged to Deborah's Sue Field, was playing with Deborah's children, but got distracted and ran off. The family searched for their dog, but eventually had to give up and resigned themselves to Abby being dead. Fast forward ten years to this week, when the animal protectors of Alany Valley contacted Deborah to say Abby had been brought into them, having been found on a doorstep just eight miles away from the Sioux Fields' home. Deborah's daughter had been just twelve years old when she was given Abby. She's now twenty-two, and cried with happiness when she heard her childhood dog was home. Impressively, Abby not only remembered her name, but all the behaviours the Suefield family had taught her. So sad that they missed out on all those years together, but wherever she'd been for that time she'd been well cared for and was in great condition. In Hull, UK, Sandy Smith and her eight-year-old whippet Skye were walking when disaster struck. Sandy saw Skye pick something up off the floor and run away to play with it. Not suspecting anything, Sandy sat on a bench to look at her phone, but when she looked up to check on Skye, the dog was lying on her side, clearly in distress. Running to her, Sandy discovered her dog was choking on a large bone stuck in her mouth. When she screamed for help, student Adele Gallagher came to her aid. Adele grabbed the bone and pulled it free, saving Skye's life. Dogs are so good at finding ways to get themselves into trouble, aren't they? Our last story is a dog who got themselves into danger at Bondi Beach in Australia. The dog in question had escaped from a garden near the beach and was running along the cliffs when it apparently fell, because a visitor flying a drone spotted the dog lying at the bottom of the cliffs. A Westpac Lifesaver rescue helicopter was dispatched, and although they intended to winch the dog back up to safety, in view of injuries to rib and leg, the decision was made to carry the dog off the beach. A crewman carried the dog across rock ledges, through rock pools, and they were even hit by waves on a couple of occasions. But as they made it onto the nearby track, the dog's worried owner came running down the track, gratefully took their dog back, and headed to a veterinary surgery. Well, with icy dogs, dyed dogs, poorly missing, choking and falling dogs, it's been an emotional roller coaster this time. But that's it for now. See you next time. Dogs have three eyelids, an upper lid, a lower lid and a third lid called a nictitating membrane or whore, which keeps the eye moist and protected. What if you love the idea of adopting a rescue dog, but the time's not quite right yet? Well, there are lots of volunteer roles you can take on, which will help shelters and give you as much, or as little, contact with dogs as you want. To find out more, I talked to James Sowerby from Dogs Trust Kenilworth about how people can help if they can't adopt a dog yet. One of the aspects that we have here at Dogs Trust Kenilworth is on our volunteering scheme, we also have this home from home scheme as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's mainly for people who aren't, don't have the time to look after a dog full time in their own home and not too sure whether they're interested in dogs or not. So they, they take on a dog from us and we just rehome the dog from a home environment rather than the kennel environment, and which is always very beneficial for the dogs in so many ways, but it also mainly frees up a kennel space for a dog, and we can also take in another one extra dog at a time doing it this way. Oh, that's such a good idea, and as well as you say, when you walk round the kennels, some of the dogs don't 
react that well to being in that kennel environment. But if you can see them in a home environment, that makes a world of difference, doesn't it? Oh, it makes a massive world of difference. Again, it makes the dogs look a bit more appealing when you can see them possibly relying and relaxing in a bed, playing around with toys. Just in that home environment, looks it's so more appealing to the customer as well when they can see a dog that's nice and settled in a home rather than it being unsettled in a, in a kennel environment and not knowing what to do really and not looking all too friendly, maybe a little bit too scared, a little bit worried rather than compared to when it's in the home. It looks just a little bit more friendly and a little bit more appealing to the customer. So, yeah, it yeah. works well basically on so, so many levels. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, as well, if you can hear from someone who's already had the dog in their home, you know, as, as the next adopter kind of, or as the long-term adopter, it gives you confidence that the dog will adapt to your home environment. It won't destroy it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, again, that's one, another one of the great uh, reasons that, the home from home scheme really works because a lot of the dogs that we have come in we have no home history on them whatsoever so a lot of them that we get come in are stray dogs that have just been found we take them into kennels the advice that we give to customers is that we really have no idea what this dog's going to be like in the home whether it's going to be good to be left or just sleep straight away as soon as you get in there whether it's going to be toilet trained house trained and things like that mm-hmm. um Again, you're going to expect the accident from any dog that you take home from us, even a dog that is kind of toilet trained, so it's very stressful for dogs moving into any new environment. But again, having that extra bit of information, knowing that it is house trained, it will happily toilet outside rather than inside, can mean uh, the world of difference to some customers when oh, they're yeah. looking for a dog. Yeah, that's great. I mean, so you have dogs out right now on, on the home from home scheme, do you? Yes, we have. I can't remember when there's a time when we haven't had um, yeah. a dog out. So, yeah, we've got several dogs out at the moment just looking for homes. Normally, the dogs that we do put out in foster homes are the dogs that are really struggling in kennels, either mm. for medical reasons or sometimes behavioural reasons. Dogs that are probably in their older ages as well at times. But, again, they're getting a bit too fed up in kennels with the noise and everything. Yeah. Or there's a, ones that really need that extra attention uh, that need people to be there more often than not. And again, because we, we only have limited staff down in kennels, because again, we are a charity, we can't always be with the dogs 24-7. Yeah. So again, there are some dogs that again do need their, their medication or their tablets or just to keep an eye on them, just to make sure they're all okay as they recover from any medical issues. Yeah. So that must, I mean, for the dogs themselves, you're right, it makes such a difference because we've bred them to sort of live with us and, and be part of the family. So that they must love that so much better than being in kennels, mustn't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they they really do prefer it. I mean, I'm I'm on the home from home scheme as well. So every now mm. and then, when I get the chance to, I can always take a, a. Normally, it's one of the older dogs or one that's really getting overlooked or really struggling in kennels. I can give it that that home history, that time, see what it's like overnight in the home, and yeah, again, the the dogs they completely change sometimes when they're yeah. in a kennel environment they are a little bit more depressed when they get to home they you suddenly seem to they, they really like playing with toys and jumping around everywhere being really nice and happy and smiley and just yeah they seem to really really love the attention yeah oh lovely so what support from from dogs trust can people expect if they if they go onto the home from home scheme Okay, with the Home From Home scheme, we will completely support the dog um, as it goes home. We will treat it as if it was a normal dog in kennels. Mm. So we'll happily support the adopters in any way, shape or form. So again, they won't need to worry about any dog food or any items like dog bowls, water bowls and bedding and things like that. Yeah. Um, you will get leads and things to take so you can take the dog out for a walk in the garden just to make sure it's on lead and secure because the last thing we want to do is have a, an escape artist on our hands. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, any toys and anything like that, and especially we will definitely look 
look after any medical issues. So the majority of the dogs that will go into foster will have some kind of medical issue as well. And we will happily take care of any of that. So no need to worry about any finances on the side of the foster care or anything like that. It will all come from the dog's trust. Um, it just It's always a great help that we have a, a carer afterwards that can always just helpfully follow the instructions that are needed to and just do what's needed for the dog, really. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, I wish I'd known about this yesterday. I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was saying, oh, I'd gladly take on an older dog. But it just worries me about the, the financial aspect, you know, of, of long-term veterinary care you know, if they had a condition. And she was ever such a nice lady. And she said, yeah, I would really, I would like that. I wouldn't mind at all if it was an older dog or not well. But it's the financial aspect. So if people knew about that, the dog can get a much nicer life, can't they? But the person doesn't yeah. have to worry. That's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Especially when the dogs are in their old age and they do start to have a few lumps and bumps and the, yeah. the creaks around that they go around. So yeah, the Dogs Trust, any, any home from home scheme dog will be fully looked after by the Dogs Trust in terms of veterinary treatment. They just will need to be able to make sure they're able to bring the dog back to the centre when it's needed to, that's all. Yeah. Um, in addition, we do also have, if anyone does want to adopt a dog from the Dogs Trust, normally any dog that is of um, an, an older age and does, like I say, have a few lumps and bumps or a few creaks here and there some dogs are part of the um, full SAS scheme which is the mm -hmm. shared adoption scheme which basically means the dogs trust will cover any medical issues that are ongoing at the moment and then anything that crops up later on in life um, mm -hmm. all, all that is needed to pay up by any adopter would be a £7.50 consultation fee which is less than half price on most consultation fees at best yes. and then the dog yeah. trust will, will pay the, the rest so any, any medical issues that are then later on regarding that um, dog trust will pay it, pay it out in full for medication or anything else Gosh, that's, that's very, very good yeah, so it's only only seven pounds fifty for for the adopter, and then the dog trust will basically pay the rest. Yeah, excellent! Wow, which is really really good, and it really does make a difference to someone um, wants yes. to, to take one of our older long t long term dogs away from us as well. So that's the the home from home and the and shared adoption scheme. So there's there's obviously there's other ways if you can't adopt. How else if people really aren't ready to make that commitment? How else can they help you, James? Again, we have many ways of our volunteers can help us out. Again, if you are even really wanting to just get your doggy, doggy fixed, but you can't um, adopt yes. a dog, you can't foster a dog, you can come in and work alongside um, the staff here. Mm. Um, and th these things include things like take, uh, cleaning the kennels out with us. It's a, it's a job that needs doing every single day. Yeah, um, yeah. Helping clean the kennels, getting the food prepared and things like that. So writing the bottles, the dog's bottles names and what kind of food that, that each individual dog's on. And again, once we've got the cleaning and the feeding and everything out of the way, it's then time to walk the dogs as well. So the, the guys can come um, and walk some of the dogs around for us. Um, and some of the dogs that are a little bit too scared to even walk or they're down in a quarantine section, so they've got a bit of an illness that's quite contagious and the last thing you want to do is spread that around to the rest of the dogs. Yeah. These guys can come and sit in the kennel with them and spend a good 15, 20 minutes just sitting down in the kennel, relaxing, or possibly playing around with toys or even doing a bit of training, a bit of sit work and things like that. Yeah. Just as long as the dog's got a bit of time in the kennel um, and it can have some great, um, great fun and some great uh, companion. Yeah, really? yeah. Oh, and the thing is with that, it's it's great for the dogs. Obviously, they're getting stimulation and enrichment that they need. But it's actually got real, really beneficial effects for the people, hasn't it, as well? Yeah, oh, there's so many brilliant effects of basically people coming and meeting dogs. They just benefit from being with being around yes. dogs so, yeah. so much. I mean, there's, so, there's a lot of research and things and bits and bobs out there just saying people who 
spend a lot of time with dogs, seem to kind of recover from illnesses yes. or their mental state improves tenfold and they just seem to cope a lot better when they've had interaction with a dog or they've just got, they get constant playtime with dogs and yeah. uh, interaction and just meeting dogs and just being around dogs really. So there's a lot of um, evidence and things out there to just being around dogs is kind of really, really good for your well-being as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's measurable things, aren't there? Like it can lower your blood pressure, it can boost your immune system, it, you know, it, it, as well as improving just your sense of well-being. But what what fascinates me is it's this isn't these effects are seen in people who would say, I don't really like dogs. So obviously, if you love dogs, you can tell it's making you feel great just being around them. But that, that effect, that beneficial effect happens even if you're not that into dogs. And that, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, no, it, it's, it is quite um, tremendous, basically, what's out there and what's been said. So, yeah, just just being with being dogs, again, once you get out there, because it gets you on your feet, it gets you going, yes. it gets you busy, it gets your heart rate going, it just gets everything gets you ready, just gets you kind of committed for the day. And get, you, we also start to look forward to the day as well, and I think that's what's, why some people do struggle at times, just having that something to look forward to. Yeah. And again, the, dog, the dogs then have a little smile on their face. That kind of puts a little bit of a smile on your face. So yeah. It just boosts your mood, boosts your phys- physical kind of demeanour and everything and your mental state. And again, yeah, just you can see why all around, even with people who are a bit unsure and a bit afraid of dogs, why it can suddenly turn them around as well at times. Yeah. Oh, dogs are amazing. Um, so, <laughs> they really are. <laughs> they are. They are. But if there's someone who perhaps you know, would really like to help you but doesn't fancy getting their hands dirty, cleaning out the, uh, the kennels, which I would imagine, I mean, I've seen it done, it's quite fun, you get hosed, don't you, and you get all the tools given you and you cover up from <laughs> that. So, you know, <laughs> as, a, as a bit of a different day, you go, you know, go and, um, or one day a week or something, you know, it, it could be quite fun. Um, but if there's somebody who's thinking, mm, I don't really fancy getting hands-on to that extent, can they still help you? Yes, again, we have again we have several more areas of our volunteer schemes as well. So there's there's one area like again maintenance needs doing around the centre as well. Um, we do have maintenance volunteers or people who just help out with the gardening and just the mowing the lawns and things like that. So we have those kind of areas where they have really pretty much no interaction with the dogs or, or whatsoever, but they can put their kind of maintenance experience or a bit of help, a bit of fixing the fences or painting the fences and just doing bits and bobs like that. That That's one area that they can still um, move into. We also um, rely here at Kenilworth um, on a lot of fence checkers as well. So we when we... Um, rehome a dog to um, a customer so a loving family and things like that one of um, people in the local area we like to just check their fencing just to make sure it's all secure just to mm. make sure the dog's not going to escape once it gets um, gets into the home and then yes. they might not have just bonded with the dog just yet mm. if anything um, spooks them or something in the home that they don't bolt out a little hole in the fence or is it a little bit too small where the dog can just hop over um, we just need to check the fence in just to make sure it's all secure so one area we do rely quite heavily on our volunteers is for fence checkers so people in local areas all around Kenilworth I think we go as far it was as far as people are willing to contact the center really mm. we just we rely we ring up our volunteer we pass some of the details of the customers over to them they then get in touch with the customer and then yeah they just arrange for a time when the customer and the volunteer can meet so the volunteer can just check the fence in just to make sure it's all secure so again that way they have very little, they have no real concept with the uh, center on foot but they can just help out in their local yeah. area if anyone's willing to adopt a dog in in the local from their area yeah which is i think is a really fantastic way it saves us and our staff a lot of time and effort of driving out to all these places of how far it goes so we go we do they go quite far they go several miles out some of our volunteers 
And again, and we have people adopting dogs from these areas as well, so it makes them a huge difference, basically, mm. to um, our centre and the, the number of hours that our staff are needed, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Are there any other ways, James, that people can help you? Yeah, again, yeah. Again, we have volunteers, again, in many, many areas. And again, one way of just helping out with the volunteering and dogs trust is um, kind of just any, any kind of fundraising, really. We're mm. always... As a charity, we always really struggle in so many areas, and there are different ways in which you can fundraise for the Dogs Trust and the Dogs Trust Kenilworth as well. Uh, we do have uh, an environmental enrichment scheme. So again, if you do want to pull together, if anyone does any activities and does a bit of fundraising, you can always um, put it forward to our environmental enrichment scheme, which again dedicates um, a, a portion of the fund to some of the bits and bobs just to help out the dogs around the centre. So having just a new paddling pool or anything like that again just just one way that we can just help build and do things like that really um just again any bit of fundraising just for the dogs because again we are a charity and we rely heavily on well we rely solely on donations yeah, yeah. um which is which we wouldn't be here without them unfortunately yeah oh so th- that's great i mean because as i say a lot of people like the lady i was speaking to yesterday you know would would love to help you and love dogs but just for whatever reason you know they can't commit long term to a dog or they've got work or whatever it is but there's still ways that they can help you however little time or money whatever they can contribute they can still support dogs trust can't they yes please 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 do because we're always on the lookout for volunteers so Again, we really struggle down in kennels as time as canine carers. Um, again, we just don't have enough. We'd love to be spending as much time as we want with the dogs, but we've got all this cleaning, the feeding, and the adopting, and everything else to do. So the more volunteers that we can get, even get the slightly said from the start, so the home from home scheme, the more foster carers we can get, the more dogs we can get out into a foster home, allows more dogs to come into kennels. Anyone who wants to be like a canine carer kind of volunteer can help help us out with the cleaning so we get to spend a bit that few more extra minutes with each dog um, yeah. will make a big difference as well and again they the dogs get to meet an additional person so again it help, gets to help socialize the dogs as well and again our maintenance like i said with the maintenance volunteers we're always needing help with our fencing and everything's breaking down left right and center here so we'll yeah. always need a bit of hands on there and again any bit of fundraising or the fence checkers as well so the volunteers in every single area were always always needed and we're very very appreciative for every single volunteer that we have here because they make a huge difference and again we would really really struggle if we did not have the volunteers here i could tell you that for certain yeah. Yeah. so again anyone who's willing to, to donate any any money or any any time that they've got it doesn't have to be too too long or too much effort. Just any any bit is really beneficial and it's really appreciative. Every single member of staff here really feels the benefit when we have any volunteers here. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Where can people look online to find out more information and to sort of and to find your phone number and things like that? Where can people find that? It's all online. Um, I mm-hmm. think we have a whole kind of volunteering page. I'm not too sure myself, but there is. A, I'm pretty sure a page about volunteering. And again, if, even if Kenilworth isn't, isn't your local centre, we do have other centres dotted around near Kenilworth as well. So I think we do have a whole page set out for volunteering, um, and it may have their individual emails. It's normally contacted on an email basis, mm-hmm. so you just put forward your, your interest and what kind of type of volunteering you're looking at trying to help with, and they'll get back to you pretty quickly because we we do have uh, volunteer coordinators at each centre, and again, we value our volunteers a lot, so we want to try and get back in contact with them and get them started as soon as possible yeah. So yeah we're pretty good and sharp on our volunteers here yeah. well especially at Kenilworth <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I bet actually it's really good fun to come in and help isn't it 
Oh, it does. You, the amount of smiles that you see on the volunteers' faces is, is tremendous. Again, again, it's not the easiest jobs at times here, but when you see um, you have volunteers here to come and cheer you up and everything like that, it, again, it really boosts everyone's morale here with volunteers who are willing to give up their time and effort um, just to help the dogs out. And again, yeah, it's, it's just really great for the staff as well, just to see that there are pe people willing out there to give up any spare time that they have just to come and help these dogs out. Yeah. So again, yeah, it's just a really, really good boost for the whole centre. Dogs Trust and all shelters really value their volunteers, and as you heard there, a variety of skills and abilities can prove useful. We have the link to the Dogs Trust site on the Dogcast Radio site, but wherever you live, there will be a shelter which would be very grateful for your help. Perfect human eyesight is 2020, whereas the average dog's is 2075, which means what you can see at 75 feet, clearly, your dog can only see at 20 feet. We've had a hectic time recently, because Jenny's German Spitzklein puppy, Mischief, has been spayed. And while her previous dog, Bichonfrey's star, wanted to be nursed to her recovery when she was spayed, and went about life very slowly and gingerly for a while. Mischief simply couldn't understand why we wouldn't let her run and join in the cat's fun, and we wouldn't even let her indulge in any play with Buddy. She wanted to get going again. It seemed like a very long ten days, but she is now back up to strength and going at life full tilt once more. Phew! <laughs> Buddy is still enjoying pottering around the house and garden, and I think maybe he quite liked Mischief being quieter for a few days, but he's a kind older brother, and he's back on duty now, helping her learn how to be a good dog. Next month in the UK, it's Crufts. We'll be there. If you're going, do let us know, and we'll drop by and say hello. So that's it for this time. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What's a dog's favourite snack at the movies? Popcorn.